The Soccer Gambling Podcast is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted parlays to in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a $500 risk-free sports bet. Download WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Use your promo code SGP on your first deposit to receive up to $500 in bonus cash. That's PropSwap.com and the promo code SGP. We'll support you by PixWise. PixWise is the number one home of free sports betting picks. Visit PixWise.com to make your next bet better. We'll support you by Underdog Fantasy. Sign up at UnderdogFantasy.com with the promo code SGPN and receive a free $25 entry to use in Best Ball Mania 2 for your chance to win $1 million. And of course, don't forget to download the SGPN app. SGPN is giving you a chance to win $100,000 on NFL Week 1, exclusively on the SGPN app. You are listening to the EPL show here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. You can follow the Soccer Gambling Podcast on Twitter at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer to get all of my content, including the European show, which debuted last weekend for this season and went five and one. So five and one start to the European show, landed the lock on that show, landed a lock on this show as well. That content is available at lockbetting.com where we have delivered our clients 99 months in a row of transparent track profit. If you include the month of August, I will and um, September will be our opportunity to land 100 months in a row. That's right. For eight years and three months, I haven't had a single losing month. And I'll be going for my 100th month of Transparent Track Profits next month. To check out the spreadsheets for LockBetting.com, you can go to the LockBetting.com site. They're free to check. If you just want to see last month's, it's the pinned tweet at the Twitter account, at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. I would recommend signing up now on September the 1st, because if you sign up now, you will get just seven or eight days of content, depending when you listen to the show. However, if you wait till September the 1st, you will get the entire month. But... If you do sign up this month, you will still have more time to get onto the soccer futures. Um, if the soccer futures start well, you will start to lose value on those. And those are available now. All our soccer futures for the 2021-22 season are available. We're also starting to put out uh, NFL futures here towards the end of the month. Hopefully, they'll still be fully valid at the start of September. And of course, September will be the start of the Champions League as well. The Champions League show will be heard here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. As will the Serie A show as well. We just put out our Serie A preview and we'll be covering the week one round of games tomorrow. But we are here to start with the EPL coming off a strong weekend. Landed a lock on the show. Strong weekend in soccer overall. My clients went 10 and 2 for a massive profit here for the first weekend of the season. And the EPL show in general went 8 and 2 across all of our picks. So, that's a very, very good start. A dream start almost. And we look to continue that here. We begin with Liverpool home to Burnley, where Liverpool are the one to six favourites. It's six to one on the draw and it's 16 to one here on Burnley. 
Difficult to make a case for Burnley. We corrected, predicted last, we correctly predicted last weekend that they would be defeated by Brighton. They were actually 1-0 up in that game and managed to blow that lead. Burnley always have poor starts to the season and they always look like this will be the season they'll get relegated or this will be the season they get relegated. And somehow they always manage to get out of it. And I'm not saying they'll be relegated this season. But you can certainly see them being run very close. I think Burnley are a poor team. I think all the three teams that came up from the from the championship are going to be in danger. I think Crystal Palace are going to struggle under Patrick Vieira. I've already pointed out last week what I think of Southampton. It looks like Newcastle are going to struggle more than I thought. So I certainly think that Burnley are going to be in and around there. And obviously starting with two losses, which they will do, isn't going to help their cause. I think Liverpool will win this game with another clean sheet. Obviously have their strongest backline there now, with the exception of uh, Andy Robertson, but he'll be back soon. So Trent Alexander is back. Uh, Joe Gomez is available, but not playing. They're playing Matip alongside Van Dijk. Obviously he's key and he can start here with two clean sheets with uh, with Alisson in behind them. Liverpool have won five of the last six Premier League games by more than a single goal. So it may be worth taking the, the handicap here as well in this one. That one, the minus 1.5 handicap is available at four to six. This Burnley team have lost eight of their last 10, if you include last season. And Liverpool won 3-0 in two of the last four meetings with Burnley. So that is a scoreline that I've picked out. Thought it was worth mention. It's available at eight to one here. I think there's a decent bit of value on that. Um, nine of Burnley's last 11 Premier League games have ended with over two and a half goals. And for me, it's difficult to see Burnley making a contribution to that if it hits again. So that's another reason why I think the 3-0 appeals here. And uh, Liverpool have been leading at half time and have gone on to win in their last three Premier League matches. So they're not a team that being stifled by teams that sit in, and everybody tries to do that against Liverpool. They try to sit in and make themselves difficult to break down. That hasn't worked for the last three games, looking at last week and the end of last season. Liverpool were able to comfortably break those teams down and go in with a half-time lead and go in and win the game. So lots of ways to bet this. Everything points to Liverpool. Liverpool to nil. Liverpool minus 1.5 on the Asian handicap line. And Liverpool half-time, full-time to continue. I like all of those plays here in this one as Liverpool um, continue their winning start to the season and go two from two here in this one. Up next, we move on to Aston Villa versus Newcastle, where Aston Villa are the 45 favourites here. It's 11-4 to to draw and it's 16-5 on Newcastle. I thought Newcastle would be safe this season and I thought they would start hovering up towards mid-table. But um, last week's defeat against West Ham from being 2-1 up was worrying. What it does show me is that there are goals in this Newcastle team and they're continuing to play um, as, as much attacking football as they possibly can. I don't know if that necessarily suits Newcastle. I don't know if that necessarily suits Steve Bruce. I think this is something Steve Bruce is doing to keep his Newcastle job because he's labelled as quite a boring manager. But I think those are the tactics that Bruce knows how to play. Once Newcastle become more expansive and attacking, the results haven't really gone in their favour as we saw last weekend. Yes, they were 2-1 up against West Ham, but West Ham ended up winning that game. I do see Newcastle scoring again here, but I also see Villa picking up the win. So I like Villa at 4-5, but I also like both teams to score also at 4-5. Both teams have now scored in 10 of Aston Villa's last 11 Premier League games, so they're not keeping clean sheets either, despite having 
um, a solid goalkeeper and backline, they are conceding goals. Each of Villa's last three victories have been by a 2-1 scoreline, so that appeals because that does give you Villa and both teams to score in this game. That also is available at 8-1. And now Newcastle coming into this have scored 12 goals in their last five top flight matches, including two last weekend. So as I said, they are becoming more entertaining and free scoring, which isn't surprising when you look at this uh, the, the front line here of uh, Richie, San Maximan, uh, Callum Wilson. They've got Almiron in the team here as well. Aston Villa now are unbeaten in the last six Premier League meetings with Newcastle and five of Aston Villa's last six Premier League home games have ended with over two and a half goals. So Grealish or no Grealish, this Aston Villa team will continue to find a net and score goals. I think this week we'll see more of the new signings playing and embedded in. Uh, you're going to see more minutes here for Bailey. You're going to see Watkins in the team. Danny Ings, obviously. Bundia, uh, Ashley Young. It's going to be a stronger Villa team and I do think that they'll pick up a win and there'll be some real question marks then subsequently asked about Newcastle this season. Up next, you have Crystal Palace at home to Brentford. Patrick Rio's first home game in charge against last week's um, shock result. Brentford, who won at home to Arsenal. Not shocking for us. We had Brentford on the double chance market. They are available here as a 15-8 underdogs at Crystal Palace. 2-1 to one a draw. And Palace, the slight 8-5 to five favourites. I'm not 100% sure where to, where to go with this one. I do think... That, that Crystal Palace do need to win this game. You cannot be dropping dropping points at home against the likes of Brentford. But for me, Brentford does represent some value here in this game. Crystal Palace have now lost three of the last four home Premier League games, whereas Brentford have won seven of the last eight in all competitions. Although that was uh, mostly um, mostly staged in the Championship. Crystal Palace have failed to score in three of the last five league defeats. Crystal Palace have failed to keep a clean sheet in 10 of the last 12 Premier League games. And Crystal Palace have lost seven of the last nine Premier League matches. That makes them here very, very difficult to take as a favourite. So I would be taking Brentford to avoid a defeat here. It's a little bit of juice that you have to lay. Um, and I'm not advocating this as a, as a particular bet or a lock or anything. I just have to pick every single game here. So I'll be going for Brentford at 4-7 to seven to be able to avoid a defeat here against Crystal Palace because the the data there is just too overwhelming to, to have a play on Crystal Palace despite the fact... It is a must-win situation and uh, Patrick Vieira takes, takes, takes charge of his first home game as the Palace manager here. Up next, we've got Leeds at home to Everton where Leeds are the 5-4 to favourites. It's 13-5 the draw and it's 2-1 to here on Everton. Looking at the way that Leeds played last weekend, you would think Everton would appeal here as an underdog. Everton had a great away record last weekend. They came back from a goal down last week, um, last season. They had a great away record. They came back last weekend to win from a goal down to win 3-1. That was a very good, good result and a good start for Rafa Benitez, although it was only against Southampton, who I'm not tipping to do much this season. But looking at what Leeds did, Leeds looked very odd last weekend against Manchester United. They, they seem to play their defence very high up the pitch, which is what they normally do. But when they play that high up, their attackers are pressing a lot more. Their midfielders are, are pressing a lot more. They have this um, impetus where they will press for five seconds every time they lose the ball. They didn't do that to Man United. They allowed Paul Pogba to, to pick out four assists last weekend. The back line were playing too high and Manchester United were able to play the ball um, over the top or through them. Now, 
I understand Leeds normally do play high up the pitch. They, that's what they like to do. But it usually involves more high pressing. This Leeds team didn't press really at all last weekend, not effectively anyway. So that was weird to see, especially on the first day of the season. And especially when you're looking at um, the most fittest team in the league that run the most kilometres, like Bielsa normally runs his team into a gra- into the ground. So perhaps they're not there yet with their fitness, which again makes Everton pretty appealing here. I do think that both teams will find the net. I think that is my my safety bet with them taking Everton as a pick underdog here on the side for for a little sprinkle. Both teams have scored in four of Leeds United's last five Premier League home games and three of Leeds' last six home games have actually ended in draws. So taking Everton as a pick um, could end up pushing for you if it ends up being a draw, which is absolutely fine. No problem with pushes. Um, There have been under two and a half goals in seven of Everton's last eight Premier League away games and Everton have scored first in 11 of their last 19 away league games last season so um, I don't know what you really make of that data there at the end Um, I think it's pretty pretty insignificant just stuff that I dug up I'm going to go with both teams to score here and um, I'm also going to go for Everton to nick it here on the on the pick market uh, which pushes if it does end up being a draw which has been a a frequent result for, for Leeds at home as of late up next, we look at Man City versus Norwich, where Man City are 1-12 to favourites. It's 19-2 on the draw, and it's 22-1 to here on Norwich. Obviously, it goes without saying here that um, you don't really give Norwich much of a chance. This is just going to be a case of how much Man City bounce back by and how many goals they, they win by. But for me... I don't think it's necessarily going to be much more impressive than what Liverpool did. I think uh, a 2-0 or 3-0 scoreline is what we'd be looking at here. 3-0 possibly uh, the better bet here. That one is available here at 7-1. to Manchester City didn't look like they had much um, much in, in attack last weekend, which is weird to say when you have so many attacking players in there. But without that centre-forward, without actually having that Harry Kane, it is just a lot of... Um, you know, a lot of your creative players kind of bursting into the box, but without really having anybody to deliver the ball to. So once they get to that byline, there isn't somebody making those near post runs in the middle. So what you're really looking for is your is your key players, your Marises, your Grealishes, your Kevin De Bruyne, your creative players to do something spectacular. You cannot be relying on the spectacular. Sometimes you need to just get into the box, get the ball across and score the ugly goals. And I don't see ugly goals in Manchester City. I can see them playing somebody to death and, and passing rings around them and, and, and end up scoring that way. I can see them banging one in from the edge of the box. I can see them scoring from free kicks and things of that nature, but I don't see them getting many, many tappets. So it's going to be difficult to destroy teams if you're not getting any any tappings, if you don't have the Aguero there or, or a Harry Kane there to score you those kind of goals. So if all your goals need to be spectacular and they're scored by long-range efforts and um, and free-flowing football, you're probably going to have some problems throughout the season against teams that can defend properly like Tottenham did last weekend and ended up beating you on the break. I don't think Norwich are capable of doing anything on the break here. So I do think Manchester City are going to win this game with a clean sheet. City have won seven of their last 13 home games to nil. Norwich have lost 11 Premier League games in a row, if you count the last time they were here as well, scoring just one goal in the process. And Manchester City have averaged 3.28 goals per game in their last 13 Premier League home games. 
In addition to that, Norwich have lost 15 of the last 18 Premier League matches. Again, that's data from the last time they were in the league. And six of Manchester City's last eight Premier League games have gone over two and a half goals, which is why I lean 3-0 instead of 2-0. But as I said, I'm not going to be going 4-5-6-0 here with this Manchester City team because they just don't look capable of doing that. Now, obviously, they could make me look silly, but I'm just not someone that's going to be betting on big handicaps here with the false number nine. It's not something that I, be- but I believe in. It's great for... For ball possession, it's great for, for taking defenders out of the position and allowing your wingers space in and behind. But they're not playing pacey wingers either. I mean, Raheem Sterling is fast, but Jack Grealish isn't. And Raheem Sterling might not even play in this game because the first choice wide players for Manchester City, once Kevin De Bruyne occupies his position that Jack Grealish did so poorly in last weekend, will be starting with Maris and Grealish with Fernand Torres down the middle and Sterling will be relegated to the B team. So... They're not playing for for pace. They're not they're not really benefiting from having a centre forward like a, a Firmino or a Jota that that draws people out and allows your wingers to 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 get to occupy the space behind the ball and occupy the the space that's going to be um, exploited by the wonderful through balls that Kevin De Bruyne is going to play. So I don't really understand what Manchester City are doing. I don't understand the signing of Jack Grealish. I questioned it at the start of the season in the in the season previews. I did say that this Manchester City team wouldn't win the league. And I really thought that the field was the best way to go. Well, the field at the moment have strongly reduced their odds. While Manchester City have gone from the four to six minus one fifty favourites to suddenly being plus money at eleven to ten off the back of one result, is that a little bit far fetched? Is that a little bit extreme? Yes, it is. Do I think Manchester City are still a good bet to win the league? No, I, I just don't think this team will win the league. If Harry, if Harry Kane signs for them, that'll be very different because that's the play that they need. But um, until they play Sergio Aguero, this team are going to only find, um, only going to have limited ways of scoring goals. They're still going to score loads of goals. They're still going to be in the top four. They're still going to challenge for the league. But I think in games like Tottenham last week, when, where teams make themselves very, very difficult to break down, that's going to be Man City's Achilles heel. And I think that's where they're going to come unstuck. I think that's why they're not going to win a league. And I certainly think that's why they're not going to win the Champions League this season. Up next, we've got the late game on Saturday, which is Brighton at home to Watford. Brighton are available here at 3-4. to It's 13-5 on the draw. And it's 17-4 to here on Watford. Watford had a uh, a big win last weekend. That was one of the only games that we got wrong. I didn't expect Watford to beat Aston Villa. I thought Aston Villa would be a surprise team this season that that really did well in the absence of Jack Grealish. I thought they'd made the right signings. But obviously, um, I don't think the jury's out on Aston Villa. A lot of those players didn't play. And Watford were just buoyed by being back in a Premier League. Their home fans really did get them over the line. And that's an interesting thing. Because um, looking at the the home statistics compared to last season, the the crowds have one hundred percent made a difference. Having these these fans back has had an effect. When you look at the the number of away teams that won last season, yeah, okay, like you can look at it and go, it's one day, it's one week, so it's a very very small sample size. But it's still worth talking about. Last season in the Premier League. 38% of the matches ended with home sides taking three points and winning the game. Last weekend saw that rise to 70%. So you can also look at the other leagues here. Uh, 52% of the matches in the Premier League, Championship, League One and League Two have seen a home win. That's up from 40% during COVID when we didn't have any fans. So it's a, it's a, it's a long lasting effect across all of the leagues. It's not just looking at the, at the Premier League. It's looking at, um, at all of the leagues from across the UK. And I'm sure that data will be um, shadowed 
by what we see from across Europe. So it did make a massive difference. And it's difficult this weekend. It's the opposite of what we were doing during COVID, where we were looking for home teams that would still that would still win here. We're trying to make a case here for away teams. So unless you really feel like you have a compelling case for an away team, then then take the home team. And and that's the, that's the situation here for for Brighton. I I think that they'll win this game. I think they're a better team than Wolves. They're more established than Watford. They're a more established Premier League team. And I do think they'll end up winning this game. Brighton have lost just two of their last eleven Premier League home games. They've kept clean sheets. Um, in this, they've kept seven clean sheets in that run that I just mentioned. And Watford have lost six of their last nine games at Premier League level, though that's completely irrelevant in some way because um, they weren't in a Premier League last season. Brighton are unbeaten in the last five Premier League at home, which is relevant um, because it shows they were really getting their act together at home towards the end of last season. And um, they haven't really had massive changes in personnel. And nine of the last 10 meetings between these two teams have featured under two and a half goals. Not so relevant because um, there's a lot of different players. Look, I'm going to bring up as much data as I possibly can find, but some of it won't be relevant to these games. Stuff that happened years ago between these two particular clubs, I don't think is uh, is, is overly relevant. But what is relevant with that under is that the, the style of play that we'll see here, I don't think we'll see a massively... Um, a massively attacking Watford with a load of attacking intent. I don't think that's what we'll see here. Watford weren't exactly prolific scorers last season. For a team that came up from the championship, you'd expect them to be one of the top scoring teams. They they weren't. I think they ranked fourth or fifth coming up from the championship. So so goal scoring isn't really their, their forte, despite scoring three goals last week. Brighton are a difficult team to break down. Brighton against the poorer teams do, demon, do dominate the ball possession. And uh, that's what they'll do here. Watford are a bottom half team, despite the fact they're not currently at this moment in time. They will finish in the bottom half. They will be in and around the relegation zone. Brighton are a team who are now eyeing the top half football here in the Premier League. They're looking to move on. I don't think they'll get it, but I don't think they'll be anywhere near the bottom. And I do think that they'll end up winning games like this. So I like Brighton here to win it. But, but, let me say this, but. They're too short a favourite here at three to four. I've seen them as low as four to six in some places. Look, this isn't your established top half Premier League club. This isn't a a Everton or an Arsenal or a Tottenham where I would look at this kind of price and it, or even a West Ham or a Leicester. I'd look at this kind of price and it would make sense to me. This doesn't make sense to me here taking Brighton, who are um, always, always a bottom half team in the Premier League and are just looking to establish themselves in the top half as a three to four favourite. Do I think they'll win the game? Yes, I do. Will I be taking them at three to four? No, I don't think there's there's some value there. I don't think Brighton have the c- c- consistency or the or the name value here to be here at three to four. Hopefully, um, we don't get much money on this and we get a better price here on Saturday to make this worth makes this worth betting. As um, I would be taking it around about five to six, ten to eleven. I wouldn't be taking it at between three to four and four to six. Moving on to Sunday, and we have Man United's trip to Southampton. I'm actually going to this game on Sunday, um, sitting with the um, with the Southampton supporters and um, trying to keep quiet. Man United are the four to six favourites to win this game. It's nine to two on the draw, and it's sixteen. To, uh, sorry, it's nine to two on Southampton, and it's sixteen to five on the draw. I've been very clear about my feelings about Southampton, so this isn't a case of me 
watching my team last week live. I actually went to Old Trafford last weekend to watch Man United in person. And uh, then I drove back to London to watch Tottenham versus Manchester City. I do that because Tottenham is the nearest ground to where I live. So um, Tottenham is actually my local team. So I go and watch Tottenham as often as I can. My son has a soft spot for him as well. He often says to people that... um, Man United, I support Man United because my dad supports Man United and my dad's dad supports Man United, but I also follow Tottenham because they are my hometown team. So that makes sense. At some point, obviously, uh, he will be pressed to make a decision because we don't support two teams in this house. We have to stick to one. But at 10 years old, you can kind of excuse that where um, where I take him to, to Tottenham games because it's just fun to watch football. It's fun to watch as much football as we possibly can. I did that anyway. Um, prior to the pandemic and now like after the pandemic I just appreciate it so much as well I've got um, 12 Premier League games booked to go to um, just before Christmas so I will be out and about you'll hear about me um, or see me on Twitter at various games you see my son getting play, uh, getting selfies with the, with the players or ex-professionals as uh, kids are allowed to go down to the pitch at the end of the game we've worked out this little um strategy where if you let all of the fans leave the stadium they will come down and do their their, their their pre-match interviews and the pundits will do their analysis on the pitch and then the players will even come down for a warm down so if you can get their attention you will be able to get photographs and stuff obviously children I don't, I don't think they'll be doing it for for adults so we'll be trying this again at Southampton Man United so hopefully we'll be able to post some photos from that but uh, more hopefully Man United will win this game. Southampton, for me, have sold too many players. Um, and, and Manchester United have made too good a start to the season. And especially when you consider last week how many players they had out. I think Sancho will be fully available this weekend. I think Martial will be fully available this weekend. I think Rafa Varane will be available. I even think Cavani will be available. So that's four players that could easily be in the Manchester United first team. I'm not saying they all are. I think Rafa Varane obviously is. Uh, I think Cavani is probably our our, our main striker. And obviously, we didn't pay all that money for Jadon Sancho to be a substitute. So these are key players that I think will be coming into the team. And I think that's bad news for Southampton. I'm expecting Manchester United to win this game. Man United should win this game. Man United should win their their first six games. If they're genuinely going to challenge for the title, they cannot afford to, to go to places like St Mary's and drop points, um, especially not at this point of the season. If you can get yourself a, a, a decent start while Manchester City are still figuring teams out, because I do still see Manchester City as the as the main rivals, that can only bode well for you. So I like Manchester United to, to win this game. I still like Manchester United and Chelsea to be the main challengers to, to Manchester City this season, as opposed to Liverpool. And um, hopefully... It does end up being a, a, a two-horse race between those two, as, as I'm right, uh, so I can be right. And um, I think, honestly, if Manchester City make the same start that they made last season, they won't be the champions this season. I don't think that they'll make that unbelievable recovery and goal and that unbelievable run. But likewise, Manchester United cannot afford to make the poor start either. And likewise, Chelsea cannot afford to have any kind of period this season like they had during um, Frank Lampard's management where all of a sudden, over a one-month period, it went very, very wrong for him. And if you look at Lampard's time as a manager, he really only had four to six 
really bad weeks and uh, that all seemed to come at the same time that run just didn't look like it was going to end suddenly everything wrong went wrong for Chelsea and Tuchel came in and everything he touches turns to gold and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that about that in a minute because um, Tottenham and Wolves is first Wolves versus Tottenham is first and then we will be getting to what is perceived as the game of the week Arsenal versus Chelsea but let's look at Wolves versus Tottenham because this is interesting in itself because uh, Nuno Spirito Santo immediately is going back to Wolves and Tottenham lost last night uh, lost tonight in Portugal so um, that's not a great result although it was none of the first team so I wouldn't weigh too much into that other than the fact that it may have lost a tiny bit of goodwill from the supporters although I'm not sure how many supporters want to play in the Europa Conference League anyway I think we'll figure that out from the attendance next weekend when Tottenham have to play the second leg at home but but for now uh, Nuno Spirito Santo goes back to Wolves I expect him to have a full strength team here there's still question marks over Harry Kane I think that he'll probably be involved in the squad as he's trained all week he'll have to be on the subs bench here if he's not I think that's a real indicator that he will be going to Manchester City which is worrying for us if we've backed against Manchester City winning the league just just bear in mind everything I've said in terms of Manchester City struggling this season is dependent upon Harry Kane not coming because I don't believe that transfer will get over the line. I think Daniel Levy is stubborn. He will hold out for the £150 million that he wants for this 28-year-old who has a few injury problems and I don't think he's going to get it and therefore Kane will stay there. Tottenham are in the dominant position there. They don't need the money. They can hold out for £150 million and hold out for their and, and, and hold out for that for their biggest asset and not have to deal with the... Um, the vitriol of their fans. So Tottenham are in a strong position. Either, either pay up the money that we want, which is way more than he's worth, or you don't get him. And Manchester City in a position where they badly need a striker. I know there's rumours today that they could get Cristiano Ronaldo, and there's rumours that they could get Lewandowski, because Lewandowski has expressed his desire to, to, to play for a different club in the future. But that's the future. I don't think he's leaving Bayern Munich now, because Bayern Munich are suddenly going to have to find a ready-made replacement as well. But look at next summer. I know we're going off topic, but could it next summer be very very interesting Harry Kane will have two years left on his deal Kylian Mbappe could go on a free Lewandowski's talked about wanting to go to another club Haaland's transfer fee automatically drops down to I believe £67 million is the buyout clause so you're going to have all of the top strikers in the world, in fact, you could argue that they are the top four. You can even put Ronaldo in a conversation because his contract is done at Juve. So the five top strikers in the world are all going to be available in the same summer. That's going to be very, very interesting. But for now, I'm hoping Kane stays put. And uh, as for this game, I would have to lean here towards Tottenham winning it. I think that last weekend, the Tottenham showed um, that they are playing for the manager. But this is going to be a very different kind of game. Wolves were involved in a, a very... Um, a lackluster game here last week with Leicester where they never really looked like scoring and Leicester just produced that one moment of quality from Jamie Vardy. Obviously, there was a little bit of rust attached to both teams. I think some of that rust comes off here. I think Wolves 
will show a little bit more attacking intent because they're at home. But I think Tottenham will like that because last week Tottenham showed how they can counter against Manchester City and that's how they ended up winning the game. I think the one criticism I would put at Tottenham last weekend was there were times where they were on the break and uh, they they had very, very limited options because obviously Son's not an out-and-out striker. So um, it's difficult for him to make the runs that, that, that strikers naturally would. Although coming in as a winger, he always seems to be in the right place, right time to, to, to score the goals or to, deliver, or to deliver a moment of magic as he did last weekend. So when you've got players like that on the pitch, Wolves no longer have those players. Yes, they've got Raul Jimenez back, but Raul Jimenez is coming back from a skull fracture. But other than that, who are the quality players here that can win this game for Wolves? Tottenham have Song. They still have Deli Alli. You still have to believe that there is quality in Deli Alli, otherwise he wouldn't be playing in his team. We've seen players like Lucas Moura score hat-trick in Champions League semi-finals. So I just think the extra quality here goes to Spurs and they have a real opportunity of starting this season with a 100% record and Wolves have the opportunity here of starting the season with a 100% record in the wrong direction. So I like Spurs here. If you rest all of your players for the Europa Conference League and you lose the game, you better win here on Sunday and you better obviously build on the fact that you've beaten Manchester City uh, last weekend. So I think it'd be very disappointing if Tottenham don't win this game. I also think there's value on Spurs here at 11 to 8 or you can get them at 6 to 4 plus 150 in places. So Tottenham for me end up getting the win here. If you don't want to take the 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 wholehearted risk on at the money line, I also think there's value on taking Tottenham as a pick here. That's available at 4 to 6 minus 150. The only way you lose money there is if Tottenham end up losing the game. I don't think they'll lose this game to Wolves with Nuno returning to Wolves here in this one. Up next, the, the game of the week on paper. Arsenal travelling, uh, sorry, Arsenal hosting Chelsea off the back of losing at home to, to Brentford last weekend. They are the 19-5 to underdogs here. It's 13-5 to the draw and it's 4-5 to here on Chelsea. I don't know how much you can you can say about this one, uh, really. I know it's the game of the week, and and we're supposed to massively analyse that because it's a, it's it's a, it's a game against two perceived big teams. But but what can you say other than Chelsea won last week three nil? They look like title contenders. They had a lot of players missing. More players will be back for for this game. We may even see Romelu Lukaku featured in this game, which is going to be massive. And Arsenal lost away to, to Brentford and didn't score a goal. And we still don't know whether Aubameyang and Lacazette are going to be back for this one. I mean, Chelsea, at this point in time, are just the better team by, by a country mile. How can you pick anything other than Chelsea to win this game. It's very, very difficult to see Arsenal winning this game. It's very difficult to see Arsenal getting anything from this game. It's actually highly possible that Arsenal will lose all of their first three games, which means there's actually, well, there was value on Mikel Arteta being the first manager to be sacked. I mean, my clients got that at six to one immediately after the breakthrough result because I looked ahead at the at the schedule and, and I immediately knew at the start of the season if Arsenal didn't get a good result for Brentford. And that included just drawing that game, by the way, that they would they would probably lose the next two and start the season with one point from nine. Well, now they're going to be on no points from nine if results go the way the odds suggest. So that's a very, very poor start. And that's very difficult for Mikel Arteta to overcome. So he's moved in the market. It was six to one when we got it. It was at three to one for quite a while. And um, I'm not 100% sure where it's sitting at the moment. I, I have to look it up. Um, that's moved considerably. 
Mikel Arteta has gone from six to one to three to one to five to four without a single ball being kicked. So sometimes when something moves like that, people know something. So they don't know the result of Arsenal versus Chelsea. They don't know the result of Manchester City versus Arsenal. But what they do possibly know is that I'm right in my theory that if Arsenal start the season with no points out of nine and lose the first three games then this man is going to get sacked. So they may be looking at that situation and and doing it. Look, I have no clue whether this is sharp money or not, or whether this is insider knowledge. But for Arsenal to start with three defeats, that's going to be pretty bad um, for the Arsenal fan TV um, videos alone. So I'm going to take that to, to actually happen. I'm going to take Chelsea to win this game. They are the far better team. They have far better players. A combined 11 between these two would, would highly, would, would mainly feature Chelsea players. Chelsea have difficulty scoring last season, but still won the Champions League. And last week they put three past Crystal Palace, who are a team that usually defend pretty well. Yet Chelsea managed to find a way to score three goals. And that was after returning back from the, from the Super Cup and winning that as well. At the moment, everything too short touches turns to gold. He played Chalabar last week because he felt like he trained well. That surprised a lot of people. He comes back and scores a goal for him, a great goal as well. This is a guy that decides to take off his goalkeeper in the 118th minute, proves to be the right decision, and Kepa ends up saving the penalties. Look, this guy doesn't need any more goodwill. He came to this club, got them into a Champions League position from where Frank Lampard had him, and then won the actual Champions League. So, as I'm saying, everything too short touches turns to gold. I don't see it all of a sudden falling apart travelling to Arsenal here, especially the way Arsenal playing at the moment. I don't know whether they're going to have their attacking players back. We don't know the status of Aubameyang and Lagazette. And after Aubameyang's pre-season, would you really be suddenly changing your pick on Chelsea if you saw Aubameyang in a starting lineup anyway? I just don't think it would make a significant difference, especially when you look at this defence that uh, won the Champions League last season, that that shut out Manchester City, that shut out Real Madrid, that shut out Atletico Madrid. It's it, it's very difficult to, to suddenly look at this Arsenal team and go, yep, they're going to beat Chelsea. This is where they get back on track. Or yes, they've got this player back. That's going to be a problem for Chelsea. You're not, you're not thinking any of that. So that, that's at least I'm not. That's not my mindset here. I'm not giving Arsenal much of a chance here in this game. So Chelsea on the money line here for me. Moving on to the final game here. It's West Ham hosting Leicester on Monday night. Both of these teams are available at six, or they were, sorry, available at six to four. West Ham have now become the underdogs. West Ham are available at 13 to eight. It's 13 to five to draw and Leicester here are at six to four. I, I made a case earlier on where I said um, take as many home teams as as you possibly can unless you can find real strong reasoning for the away sides. Well, on this podcast, we, we, we've we made a case here for Everton earlier on as a live underdog. We've, we've certainly favoured Manchester United, Tottenham and Chelsea. So already we are looking at four away winners here. So that would mean... 40% of the away teams win, which which doesn't make it possible for the 70% home wins to stick. So I think taking another away team here and having 50% away winners would be totally going against the, the change of data we saw at least last weekend. And that's really the only reason I can give you to, to take West Ham here. But, but I'm going to take the, the draw. Um, I, I'm just very reluctant to take West Ham. Leicester know how to start seasons well. Leicester come into seasons ready to play. Leicester have already won the Community Shield. Leicester won a friendly against Villarreal before that. Leicester have played 
played pretty much the same team for the last three games. They are ready for the start of the season. Now, West Ham showed that they were ready too because they ended up winning 4-2 last weekend away to Newcastle. So that makes this game very, very difficult to pick. Therefore, I'm going to go for the draw. It could say it's the coward's way out, but it's a 13 to 5 pick. So it's the biggest price out of the, out of the three here when you're looking at the two money line prices on the two teams. I've ended up going for a draw. And I think that's what we'll end up seeing here on Monday night here between West Ham and Leicester. Closing out with the lock on the show. Last week, we landed the lock on both this show and the European show. So 2-0 start with the locks. We also landed the parlay here as well. So good momentum. Hopefully, we can continue that here on this show. The lock on this show, I'm going to go for Manchester United on the money line. Now, I hate doing this because it puts me under double pressure. I not only always bet on my team to win because I'm a degenerate gambler, um, I want them to win anyway because I love and support my team. I'm going to be going to the game and now I have the added pressure of telling thousands of people to also take Manchester United as the lock. So there's even more on it. But if I wasn't a Man United supporter, I'd still be telling you to take this. This is nothing to do with supporter bias. Supporter bias isn't something that can be thrown at me because there's plenty of times I've gone against Man United and I'm not somebody who bets emotionally here. I, I, I'm not like Ryan and Sean or especially Sean who think that the Eagles are going to be particularly great every single year. I, I don't think that about Manchester United. I've never really even called Manchester United genuine title contenders in, until last year where it looked like they were going to contend for the title. But if you look at the years and years I've, I've been on the show, there's only been you know a couple of occasions where I thought that we'd assembled a squad good enough to challenge for the title. I genuinely have to say we have a squad here and a team good enough to challenge for the title in every single position. You look at Wan-Bissaka as a defensive right back and how and how good he is. Look at Luke Shaw. Is there a better left back in the world at the moment than Luke Shaw? That defensive partnership with Varane coming in and playing alongside Maguire. Individually, it's two of the best defenders in the world. If they can work together, that will be the best defensive partnership in the world. It's better than what any team has. It's better than what PSG has, and they're being considered as the dream team. It's better than Ramos and Marquinhos. This is two players at their absolute peak. Scott McTominay is developing into such a good defensive midfielder alongside Fred. Now, I would rather another player come in to replace Fred. I think for years I've wanted someone like Ndidi or when Kotexka was uh, seemingly available at Bayern. I wanted one of them. But at the moment, I'm not sure if I would replace Scott McTominay. Fred, yeah, I still think he's too inconsistent. But Scott McTominay is just consistently good every single week and he's getting better and better. I think he's better than the English players like like Phillips and Declan Rice. We were being linked to Declan Rice. Why would we need him? Scott McTominay is developing into a better player. In front of that, we have Bruno Fernandes. We saw what he did last week and the interchanges between uh, Fernandes and Pogba were amazing last week. You saw Fernandes going on to the left-hand side where he was able to score goals from and you saw Pogba dropping in the mid- midfield. Then you saw Pogba going back onto the left. We even saw Greenwood being involved in those interchanges but but largely playing down the middle but at times Fernandez was the one playing down the middle I don't think Daniel James had a good game but don't worry because we have um, Jaden Sancho for 73 million coming in to to play on the right hand side in this game uh, we also have Cavani available I don't think he'll play but we have all of these options this is a serious squad 
and I think they're going to have a seriously good season. I think they are going to contend for the title, whereas in the opposite direction, you have Southampton. They were one of the worst informed teams in the second half of last season. At one point, they were top of the Premier League, and they finished almost um, in, a, in a relegation scrap. In fact, if Fulham had been better, Southampton would have been involved in a relegation scrap. But last year, the, the three relegated teams were so poor, nobody was in real any, any real danger. If Southampton repeat that form, they will go down. They've also lost key players like, like, like Danny Ings, like Vestergaard, have gone. So this is a weaker Southampton team than the team that last year went 2-0 up against Man United at home and lost 3-2. And in the game they played in February, Manchester United won 9-0. How can I make a case for this team here? And how can I go against Man U off the back of Southampton losing last weekend 3-1 from being 1-0 up? Man United winning 5-1 and still having players to come back. And Man United winning this game last time against this team 9-0, albeit at Old Trafford. I can't. I can't have any more compelling data than that. Can it lose? Yes, because it's gambling. We are listening to the Soccer Gambling Podcast. But my lot this week is going to be Manchester United. Don't at me if it loses unless you added me if last week's, uh, if you got on last week's winners. Give me the same energy for wins as you do for losses. Then you can at me. This isn't a supporters play. This is the most logical lock on the board. As for the parlay, some chalky stuff here, but I want to keep the, the run going. The parlay still pays out a plus money, though, at 11 to 10. It's just chalky because I've taken picks instead of money lines because, uh, obviously, the, the picks gives you a capacity to push, whereas money lines are more risky. They return more, but you will end up losing the play if any of these teams draw. But I'm going to take Villa as a pick, Chelsea as a pick, and Liverpool on the money line. That's going to be your parlay that pays at 11 to 10. And as for your dog, uh, going to go for an away dog here, going to go for Everton as a pick. Um, I don't think that uh, Leeds looked quite right last week. They were playing the high line without the press. I think they may be two or three weeks away from full fitness from playing the way Bielsa wants to play. So that gives Everton the opportunity, I think, to come away with an away win. And I'll be taking them here on the draw, no bet market. And they are available here at 13 to 10. That's it for me in this week's EPL show. Good luck with all your bets as always. And thanks for listening.